The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Afghanistan war is over. Kind of. I'll explain why I look the way I look tonight and stunning abuses of power out there. All that's coming up on I'm Right. We're out of Afghanistan. And but look, before we get into Joe Biden and the Gold Star families in Afghanistan, I should probably explain why it looks like I'm broadcasting from a secret bunker. That's basically because I am... I will explain at a, at, a, at a date later on, but for at least a couple days, I don't get to be in my normal studio, the first provided for me. So you have to you have to get cave, Jesse, that looks like this. You're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> but anyway, so Afghanistan. We heard from Joe Biden earlier today. If, if that's really what you can call it, here's just a brief snippet. We're not going to spend a lot of time on Biden. No nation. No nation has ever done anything like it in all of history. Only the United States had the capacity and the will and ability to do it, and we did it today. The extraordinary success of this mission in April, I made a decision to end this war. As part of that decision, we set the date of August 31st for American troops to withdraw. Again, nothing. Nothing we don't already know. And I've tried to explain this before. I'm going to explain this again because it's so important we all understand this. 
what you're seeing right now, and I, my email is full of people who are so outraged and hurt and saddened about the fact we just left Americans behind, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, and we left, uh, possibly we left military dogs behind, we, we left our equipment behind, and people are having a hard time wrapping their minds around why we just lost 13 of our bravest and best, why did we spend 20 years in a place only to arm and equip the people we were supposedly fighting against who now hold more territory than ever before? How does this happen? Why did this happen? There are a lot of reasons for Afghanistan. One of the main reasons is this, though. The people who run this country, the people who run this country, honestly, and this applies to both parties a lot of the time, but it's 100% of the Democratic Party. It's the entire bureaucratic state. It's half the Republican Party. It's the big tech guys. It's so many of our most powerful billionaires. It's the people who run the country. They share three characteristics. All of them. They all share the same three characteristics. And until you accept and understand that about these people, you'll keep getting shocked at the next terrible thing they do. What are those three things? One, there's no love of country. Oftentimes, there's a flat-out hatred of country, but there's no love of country. Joe Biden's administration decided they were going to get out of Afghanistan. Okay, that was something everybody in America wanted, for the most part. It's something that pulls at like 80%. It's just something people want. They want out of Afghanistan. Well, why do it the way they did it then? Just all of a sudden, yank all of our troops out, leave all the civilians there, leave all the equipment there, say goodbye, and just take off. Well. Again, let's go back to one, one of the three things they all have in common, no love of country. They don't sit around a table and think about the best way to do this to save American lives. They don't sit around the table and think about the best way to do this to save Americans standing in the world, maybe keep weapons and equipment out of our enemies. That's what you would do. That's how you would do it. These people don't love the country. So that, that part of it doesn't enter into their mind, which leads us to the second characteristic they all have. All of them have this. Very little to zero real world experience. So they believe, look, America kind of sucks. Again, that was step one. But step two is we can obviously just talk to somebody like the Taliban. They'll understand because they, they have the same incentives. They have the same real values we have. We can just talk it out. Let's just talk it out. Because they don't live in the real world. Or have it's been so long since they've lived in the real world, they don't get any of this. They don't get any of it at all. Uh, these people grew up almost universally rich or upper middle class. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We're not anti-money on this show. Go make as much as you can make. But then they left that bubble, you know, the perfect white suburbia, and they went right to one of our elite universities almost every single time, which universities in general, elite or not, they're little bubbles. You're perfectly manicured lawns and beautiful buildings. And, and look, all the people are beautiful because you're all 18 and 19 years old. And it, everything's really free there. And you live together. And it's really communal. Again, not the real world. Academia. And oftentimes, they'll spend a long time in academia because a bachelor's degree is never enough. I got my MBA. It's always something like that. And then as soon as they're done with that, so you just had 18 years of rich upper middle class and then four to eight to 12 years of academia. All right, now, we're, now we've piled on a lot of life, right? Now we're at 24, 25, 26 years old, still has never seen the ugly side of life. 
Read about it, for sure. Seen plenty of movies, but never experienced it. Then it's right from there to what? You're going to work in Congressman Jerkwater's office, maybe as an intern, maybe as the assistant communications director. Sounds fancy. You don't really do anything. Or, yeah, dad called a guy. He knew a guy who knew a guy. You're working in the State Department. Very sophisticated, right? Very, you're working in the State Department. You're working at uh, the FBI. Well, I got a job at the EPA. So here you are. 45, 50, 60 years old, should have a wealth of life experience, right? Lived a million different lives. You don't know anything about anything. Not really. You know safe bubble America. So again, that's number two that all these people have in common. And three ties into the other two. They believe they are genuinely above you. You'll see this with Biden when it comes to the Gold Star families here in just a second. They believe they are above you. Not in the general snobbish way. They should rule. You should shut up and listen and do what you're told. That's how these people think. That's why Joe Biden constantly speaks the way he speaks. That's why they yanked us out of Afghanistan without giving a second thought to Americans. They wouldn't, they wouldn't think about Americans left behind. They care about poll numbers. They care about power. But Americans means nothing. America's standing in the world. A lot of people are screaming right now, understandably, we're in international embarrassment. How could our allies even trust us? These people don't care. They don't care that we're in international embarrassment. They don't care that the allies can't trust us because there's no love of country that, that never enters into their thinking at all. Throughout this entire thing, even right now, Joe Biden and Joe Biden's team, they're not sitting around a table right now working out the best way to do right by America and Americans. They're sitting around a table right now figuring out what the poll numbers look like. Oh, how are we doing on Afghanistan? We should change the subject. Let's talk infrastructure. That's how these people think. They're completely broken. You, you just don't realize. It. And let's get back to that leaving Americans behind. Military's all gone now. Happened over the weekend. Last military personnel hopped on a plane, C-17, gone. We left American civilians. We knowingly left American civilians. We're getting more and more details about the civilians we left behind today, but we left American civilians behind? America, back when we were run by people who admittedly always loved money and power, but loved the country, America would never leave people behind, ever. It's part of what makes you a great nation. It's part of what gives you your standing in the world. It's part of what makes us who we are. You're stuck in a bad place, but you're an American, we will come get you. We will not forget about you. We will come get you and bring you home. That's one of the base principles of America. Instead, we left Americans in a place controlled by monsters, which is weird because I remember Joe Biden saying this. Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't, the troops will if stay. we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if, there are American force, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. Except you didn't. Except you didn't. And even then, when Joe Biden went on with George Stephanopoulos and said that, well, we'll stay until we get them out. He didn't mean that. He got caught in a fairly difficult question because the truth was hard. And so he did what any sociopath with no love of country, with no real world experience, 
and who thinks he should rule over you. He did what anyone would do. He simply lied. Without a second thought, he simply lied. He could have gone on there. He knew they've been teasing it for a week, right? Everyone who wants to get out will get out. Look, they've been, they've been telling you for a week they planned on leaving people there. They knew they were going to. So we could have just said, no, we're not probably going to get everybody out. But these people don't think that way. That's how you think. John Kirby, this guy, he got up today and flat out admitted. So what does that look like? How does diplomacy get those people out of the Taliban-controlled Afghanistan? It's not completely unlike the way we do it elsewhere around the world. I mean, we have uh, Americans that get stranded in, in, uh, in countries all the time. Are these people all mad? Remember what I just said about no experience in the real world? Oh, we have people stranded in other countries all the time. Just yesterday, we had a family in Aruba. We had to go down and pick them up. Because that's the same as being surrounded by Taliban terrorists, Al-Qaeda terrorists, and ISIS terrorists who would love nothing more than to chop your head off and post a video on the internet. But these people, if it seems callous, if it seems like they don't care, remember, it's because they don't care. Here's an American. Didn't get out. I just found out that they left and I was just silent for, for a little while. And I just went, walk around the rooms and I saw the young kids are sleeping and they have no clue what happened this morning, that the last flight is gone and we're left behind. It's heartbreaking to see that with all this, uh, what's going on, no one heard us, that we are in danger and we need to be safe. It's just heartbreaking. I don't know. I just don't even know what to say to you. I, and I don't know what to believe anymore. I, I'm completely like speechless. I don't know what to say, but um, I, I, I just can't believe no one told me that this is the last flight. They didn't tell you because they don't care. They don't care. And I understand that. That is so hard for so many people to wrap their minds around because it, is, it feels like it's changed overnight, doesn't it? But they didn't tell them because they don't care. Not a single person in the Biden administration is sitting here right now as you and I are speaking and saying to themselves, I'm really worried about the Americans we left behind. Not one person. Not one. And look, we left them so much equipment. We armed the people we spent 20 years fighting. I, the, the level of incompetency here is shocking. Oh. All right, we're here right now with the Taliban as they enter into the, what was only minutes ago, uh, it was an American controlled portion of the military airport. Now they're taking over. Any of that equipment look familiar at all? What an absolute disgrace. What an absolute disgrace. And here's what will probably floor you the most. It still blows me away, but it shouldn't. Not one person has been fired. Not one. And remember this. Remember how evil ISIS is. It's easy to forget how evil ISIS is. General McKenzie, he, uh, he went out there and flat out admitted there are 2,000 ISIS fighters hunting Americans. They remain a very lethal force. And I think we would assess that 
probably there are at least 2,000 hardcore ISIS fighters in Afghanistan now. And of course, many of those come from the prisons that were that were opened a few a few days ago. So that number is up and is probably as high as it's ever been in quite a while. 2,000. You remember what those people would do? Do you remember the things they used to do? Crucifying people, lighting people on fire? But again, back to what I was talking about, no love of country, how they don't really care. There was a little incident when Joe Biden and Jill Biden showed up to welcome the 13 Americans who died back home. This is a very solemn, obviously, thing. This is the first time the family will see them. This is a big, big, big deal. Joe Biden got caught on camera checking his watch. You know, totally classless. You can blast him as the most evil person in the world. Let's set that aside. Let's say he had a bad moment. What if he had an itch on his wrist? I think we can all see his checking his watch, right? One picture on the internet, one little video. Let's not crush the guy for it. Except Gold Father, uh, Gold Star Father Darren Hoover, his son was the staff sergeant who died over there, said when you weren't looking, Joe Biden did it the whole time. In reference to the checking of his watch, that didn't happen just once. That happened on every single one that came out of that airplane. It happened on every single one of them. They would release the salute and he looked down at his watch on every last one, all 13, he looked down at his watch. It's not complicated when you just accept they really genuinely don't care. Some staffer got with Joe Biden before that event and told Joe, gave him a very specific amount of time. Joe, I know you're tired. Definitely, definitely tired. We'll get you your pudding, Joe. But look, about 45 seconds, just pick a number. About one minute on each one, Joe. That's all you have to endure. And then you can get out of here. You don't have to hang with these peasants anyway. We'll get you back and get you some tapioca, get you tucked in by the fire. And so look, all you saw there was a man who doesn't care. They don't care. That's who leads this country. Jason Beardsley is going to join us coming up next. We've got a great show tonight. Hang on. We left Americans behind. I mean, has everybody accepted what that means yet? We left Americans behind. Joining me now to talk about that and other things is Jason Beardsley. He's the National Executive Director of the Association of U.S. Navy, uh, Association of U.S. Navy, I'm sorry, and a national security expert. Jason, explain to me exactly what the reasoning is on leaving Americans behind because I'm having a really hard time coming up with any other explanation other than they simply don't care. Oh, well, you had to open up with such a complex uh, question because the answer is not fun, uh, Jesse. Thank you, first of all, for having me, but thank you for talking about this topic. Uh, my assessment is a lot of these things come down to how do you execute a plan? Pulling out was not the problem. Withdrawing our troops was never quite the problem. It's how you did the withdrawal. And in the Biden administration, what we saw was a deference to the Department of State. That's a This is filled with diplomats and people that are using soft power all the time. They spend their lives and their careers doing a phenomenal job and risking their lives to do the diplomatic side of things. But when we get face-to-face uh, -face with a violent enemy who wash their hands in blood and we leave that mission of withdrawal to the State Department, we've made a horrible mistake. The uh, Department of Defense knows how to do this. 
Lloyd Austin, uh, Chairman Milley, every general on down understands how not to give ground at critical times during an operation and the withdrawal of our people was an operation. They should have been pounding the table saying, we will resign if you don't give us the correct resources to do this. Now, uh, the department spokespersons have come out and said, and Joe Biden, the President Biden has said that he gave his generals the authority to do whatever they needed. If that's the case, then these generals need to be fired. Okay, I'm glad you brought this up, Jason, because I, I do have to know why has nobody been fired? Nobody. I mean, with the exception of a lieutenant colonel who spoke about the mismanagement of it, not not Millie, not Austin. And not only has nobody been fired, there's not even the rumor mill going around that someone might be fired. You know, Mackenzie, Kirby, anybody. There's Why has nobody been fired? Do they genuinely believe they looked at this whole thing and thought, wow, we nailed it? Or are they just covering their own rear ends? Well, my my the only thing I can surmise, Jesse, is that uh, a, as you said, they either think this was a really well-planned, well-executed operation, or B, they don't want to admit to the disaster that they just handed the American people in prestige. Every soldier above E1 knows that you get relieved from your duties the moment you've got a significant enough incident that uh, the commander's going to come down and look. If you fail a PT test, if you if you fail the height and weight standards in the army, you're you're done or you won't get promoted. But we've got folks leading the army that. I don't know if they've seen uh, you know, an AR-600 PT test in the last 20 years. The point is, if you can't handle the small things, you're not going to be good at handling the large things. All right. I, I'm going to play a little uh, audio bit here. I debated whether or not to even play it for, for the audience, but this is a gold star mother saying how she feels. 20 years and six months old, getting ready to come home for freaking Jordan to be with his wife to watch the birth of his son. And that feckless, dementia-ridden piece of crap just sent my son to die. I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning to Marines at my door telling me my son was dead. So to have her on right before me and listen to that piece of crap, talk about diplomatic crap with freaking Taliban terrorists who just freaking blew up my son and no, nothing, to not say anything about, oh, my God, I'm so sorry for the families. So my son is gone, and I just want all you Democrats who cheated in the election or who voted for him legitimately, you just killed my son. With a dementia-ridden piece of crap who doesn't even know he's in the White House, he still thinks he's a senator. Jason, obviously that's about as hard to listen to as anything else. And I, honestly, if it was a one-off, I, I probably wouldn't have even played it. But the anger we're hearing from so many of these parents at Joe Biden is palpable. And it's not quiet anger. They are feeling awfully comfortable coming out. It, it feels like they don't think their sons had to die. Their daughters had to die. Did they? That's, that's, that's really heavy. Number one. Um, I give all grace and latitude to men and women who have suffered uh, the greatest burdens of battle uh, for this country. And they should always have that grace and latitude because some people have given all. So uh, I open up a lot of uh, respect, uh, no matter where they're coming from. Did they have to die was the question. And the answer, unfortunately, Jesse, 
uh, for a military person such as myself who spent years doing this type of work? The, the answer is no, unequivocally no. We didn't secure the perimeter the right way. We didn't hold the right resources in, in place. We let the military leave before the diplomats. I represent Marines and sailors in the Association of the United States Navy. And what we saw on the ground was horrifying. I'm talking to people uh, that are on the ground now, Special Operations Association of America, the Pineapple Express, the Digital Dunkirks, all the 501c3s organized with former soft people. They are doing the work that our military was prepared to and knows how to do, but has been restricted or handcuffed in this evacuation process. Nothing about this was done right. And what that means and the anger you're hearing is because people know that this could have gone better. We know that this didn't have to be done this way. So unfortunately, we now have to reconcile with how did the leadership get it this wrong and why can't they hold themselves accountable? And unfortunately, Jesse, what that really means is it's going to be up to folks like you, people like me, citizens, who are going to have to uh, stress the accountability. We cannot let them rationalize this botched disaster. Okay, Jason. In for those who've never served or don't don't quite understand it, I need I need I need you to lay this out. And frankly, I need you to lay it out for me too. Millie, whatever I think about him now and his conduct recently, is not some paper pusher. This is a dude who was, I mean, flat out pipe hitter at one point in time. This guy knows what he's doing. That's the chairman of the Joint Joint Chiefs, and yet not the guys on the ground, but from the leadership perspective. This looks like it was handled by people who've never saw, seen combat before. That's what it looks like. It looks like amateur hour to me. Why? Well, well you asked me to lay it out, uh, take you right down into the granular. It's soldiers and sergeants and privates and you know uh, people at the, e, the enlisted levels uh, and even at the officer levels understand that when you take a certain step in your career, particularly as an officer, you're now selected by the Senate, you're promoted by the Senate, and your ideas have to match with the current administration. So it does become very political. Everybody knows that. And, you know, I'm not here to prosecute whether it's, you know, you can ever make it non-political. The point is, these generals have a decision to make along their career lines. Do they want to stand up with integrity and potentially lose the lucrative stuff that comes along with those positions and titles? I'm in Washington, D.C. here. There's a ton of boards. There's a defense industry. There's speakers fees. There's guaranteed book payments. This is what Dwight Eisenhower warned was the military industrial complex. And if you want to hear what that looks like, we've got guys, former uh, peers of mine, Joe Kent running in Washington, talks about it all the time. You've heard Tucker expose it too. The problem is there's a lot of lucrative contracts available to people who go along to get along. And when you do that, in the face of what we saw, and it's not just Kabul, we did this in Benghazi. We did it in Sinai, Yemen. We saw this again in, uh, in, in Nairobi and, and Tanzania. When the embassies are attacked or when the footprint of the United States is attacked, it is very, the, the president has a decision to make. I just wrote an op-ed in the Washington Times about the shift between diplomacy and the military options. How do you go from one gear to the next? And when a president doesn't know that, we stay too long in the wrong gear. And that's what we saw here. The gear was diplomacy. And you could hear Lloyd Austin deferring over and over again to the State Department. That's how we got here. And that's what the picture looks like. We need accountability because this operation should not have been handled this way. Jason, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on and giving us the straight scoop. Please come back soon. You got it, Jesse. Thank you. That's what it is. Look, you and I have talked about carrying a weapon for a long time, right? 
you need to be carrying a weapon. If you're legally allowed to do so, you need to be carrying a weapon. And when you do that, here's the thing that people do, and it's understandable. You worry about all the sexy stuff, right? You worry about, I want to be safe. Well, of course, that should be first and foremost at all times. Learn to use your weapon safely. Then you worry about proficiency. Have I spent enough time training? Have I spent enough time at the range? Can I handle my weapon right? And all that stuff's right. And you worry about the weapon itself. Oh, should I get this new one or this new one? This one fits my hand better or this one's fancy. And that's fine too. Go get you the best weapon you can find. And then when it comes to the holster, people just grab something off the rack. I've seen it. It's just happening right in front of me. Just grab something off the rack. That holster has to last and perform. And if it fails at the worst time, it can get you killed. Northwest Retention Systems has more than just the best designs out there. It's the best quality. They're all custom made. Custom made right here in America. Go to nwretention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 10% off. We'll be back. Remember the January 6th committee? Don't don't forget just yet about the January 6th committee. What is it, you may ask? Well, it's this special committee put together by the Democrats and, of course, a couple losers like Liz Cheney to really dig into what happened on January 6th. Now, why? Why are Democrats so obsessed about January 6th? Again, there was one person killed that day. It was one of the protesters. They have lied about what happened on January 6th repeatedly. But why? Why are they so focused on it? Well, it's not complicated. This is all about silencing their political opponents. This is all about turning the forces of government on their political opponents and making their political opponents enemies of the state. None of these people, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, any of them, none of these people actually care about what happened on January 6th. You have to understand that. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have cared if all of Washington, D.C. died on January 6th. They just look at everything as communists do. They look at everything as, how can I use this to gain power? I love the newest stuff coming out. The committee began requesting records of conservative influencers. That's right. It's not just the president of the United States they're after. Anybody who's spreading a message they don't like online, they want records from them. Here are some names you may recognize. George Papadopoulos, Michael Flynn, Roger Stone, Alex Jones. Uh, even though Alex Jones is on video telling people not to go in the Capitol. Scott Pressler. Scott Pressler? Have you ever met Scott Pressler? I have met Scott Pressler before. He's the guy going around the country cleaning up garbage. He's quite literally, he might be the nicest human being I've ever met in my entire life. Jack Posobiec, many, many more on there. Now, it's not just that they stopped at a couple guys online, a couple TV pundits, radio pundits, writers. They're going after actual GOP congressmen. They want phone records. Phone records. Phone records for people like Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, Andy Biggs, Matt Gates, Madison Cawthorn, and others. I want you to remember something and keep this in mind throughout this January 6th thing. This is not over. I know it's not over because Democrats haven't dropped it. Now, why haven't they dropped it? I know what you're probably saying, Jesse, nobody cares about this anymore. Why are they still going with it? They wouldn't still be going with it if they didn't think there was still some use in what they're doing. 
they're going to press this thing as hard and far as they can possibly press it. And even if at the end of this thing they don't get anything out of it, then a little political intimidation, they'll consider that a win. You see, that's the difference between the left and the right, and it's why the right has lost the culture. It's why the right has lost the battle for the soul of this country as of right now. Now, we need to win it back, but the reason we have lost is this. All the right sees when they look at the political landscape as various landmines that might get them into trouble. So we better tiptoe around her. You know what? Let's just not go at all. All the communists see are opportunities. That's the difference between the left and the right in this country. Now, you may be getting stressed out lately. When you get stressed out lately, you may want a dip or a cigarette. I'm not going to lecture you. I've dipped for a long, long, long time. I dipped for years. I'll just make a suggestion here. Next time you want a dip, next time you want a cigarette, just try this for me once. Try it one time. Get some Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's sugar-free. It's even nicotine-free. And it'll give you that little fix. They even have CBD pouches. They're what I love. Four different flavors of the CBD pouches. Helps take that edge off. You're feeling down, feeling stressed. Do you need a little something? Try some Jake's Minchie. We'll be back. Joining me now, the CEO of Getter and also the advisor to former President Trump, Jason Miller. Jason, I, I saw this one last week, and I, I got to tell you, I thought it was perfect for you. The Washington Post, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, they wrote a piece about how the Taliban uses sophisticated social media practices that rarely violate the rules. So just to clear this up, Jason, the Taliban, they're currently executing people by the dozen over there. They're allowed on Twitter, but Donald Trump isn't. Right. And if you remember, Jesse, what they, Twitter said was that as long as they don't get too violent, uh, they'll be able to <laughs> remain on Twitter. So uh, think about this. So yesterday we saw them uh, in a scene right out of Scarface flying around above Kabul with somebody hanging by their neck from a U.S. helicopter. Uh, but of course, uh, that's not too violent because that, that's what they're going to do or going to door to doors. We're now seeing some of the horrific images. But again, this isn't being too violent. So Twitter believes it's OK that in real time, someone on their platform can hang somebody fly them around the town, but they don't want President Trump to actually be on their platform. And I tell you, Jesse, the, the cancel culture is going so nuts right now. The fact that uh, I do have it confirmed that Chase did, in fact, send a letter to General Michael Flynn saying that he would be a reputational issue and they can no longer do business with him. And again, that's again, did General Flynn, uh, did he default on some multimillion dollar loan? No, it was just a reputational issue that Chase Bank went and cut their ties with him. Okay, well, that's probably why. But this is all probably why Getter is doing so well so far, because is uh, the mentality that governs these social media companies, Jason. Will you please? I mean, you know more about this stuff than anybody. Help me understand it. These people look like full-blown communists to me, but they're tech nerds. Well, I don't understand. How did these worlds collide? What happened here? Well, it's simple. It's a lot of it is geography. A lot of it is who you surround yourself with. Uh, none of these folks know what it's like to fill up a gallon of gas. I mean, all they know is where do you charge your e-scooter, or if you have more than one person in your household, where do you charge your uh, your Prius or your Tesla? Uh, they have no relation to what an actual hourly wage earner is like. They have no 
connection to somebody who has actually has to get out there and work for a living for them everything is just well you just uber eats right i mean that's uh, where, where does food come from oh it comes from the uber eats animals that we have down at the farm that's where everything comes from they're completely disconnected from reality and at a certain point they become this insular circle of wokeism and so it's wokeism surrounded by wokeism surrounded by more you know jesse when i was younger in politics uh, I used to think the Democrats really ran everything. They ran the media. They ran politics. They dictated. Now, as I see the Democrats that led by idiots like Joe Biden and AOC, they're not smart enough to run anything. Really, it's the big tech guys who tell the media, who tell the Democrats what to say. They want to have this utopian society of, uh, of simply tra uh, charging stations and soy lattes and transgenderism and things like that. Uh, that's really uh, the direction they want to take our society. Jason, can you make the argument that the social media guys actually, in a way, hate what they created? Because I, I think the traditional leftists in this country loved when they had a monopoly on power, a monopoly on voices. But the truth is, social media sites like Getter allow information to get out that these people hate getting it out. I, if I had to be honest, I bet if you hook Jack Dorsey up to a lie detector test, he would tell you he hates Twitter more than anybody because people like you can speak on it. Some of that, you know, one of the other things, too, is absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think that some of these folks probably started with some sort of ideals. Maybe they wanted to go and, and try to uh, share voices or try to bring uh, likeness to dark or try to bring democracy to people who don't have it much in the our mission statement for Getter, what we're trying to do here. But now they realize that they can go and shape what the world looks like. And they're just completely disconnected from any aspect of reality. They're in their own kind of bizarre alter dimension, kind of like bizarre Superman, uh, except with uh, a whole bunch of sushi um, and maybe some uh, some kale sprouts. <laughs> all right, all right, Jason. Uh, how is it possible? I realize Joe Biden is not doing that well. I, I think that's just being fair. That's being as polite as I can possibly be. The man's clearly not doing well. He just fell asleep in a meeting on television with the, with Israel's PM the other day. This is not a person who's doing well. So set Joe Biden aside. He's clearly not running the country. The, there are people who are running the country, though. How did they get this entire Afghanistan thing so wrong? It, I feel like a monkey could have seen that this was going to go bad if they did it the way they did it. Why couldn't they see well, I think it's a completely rudderless White House. And so when you look at Joe Biden, who, again, even today was another embarrassment, no real answers to what people were expecting to hear from. Then he had to have Jen Psaki come out and do all the dirty work for him to actually try to uh, do her best to answer some questions. But even that was was falling pretty short. But I think that internally, uh, I assumed that someone like Ron Klain at least had his act together, at least you know, to make sure that things were being done uh, after he, even though he bungled the N1H1 uh, swine flu, as President Trump would always uh, mock them with. Uh, but, I, you know, I think uh, part of this is it's the people who President Biden has put in charge. So when you look at, uh, say, a woke general like Milley, uh, who's more worried about critical race theory than he is about military operations, that's where we've gone wrong. It's it's not, yes, the uh, the head of the fish has definitely rotted. But when you look at these other generals, you look at the people who the Biden has put in charge, it's clear that they're idiots. And again, all he had to do, like to your point, go to the beach, go on vacation. So you, you have to make sure you get the Americans out. 
You get our allies out. You make sure you get our equipment out. And I will tell you, there were a number of times last year in 2020 when I'd spend time with the president when he would rail about that all the time. So you have to get the equipment out. You're not going to go and leave it behind. This is basic stuff. And then if your enemies respect you and your allies, there's enemies, uh, well, both respect and fear you, um, you have to make sure that the Taliban, uh, that they know if they try to kill us or try to kill Americans as we're leaving Afghanistan, we're going to drop a bomb on their head. That We're going to wipe them out. The one final thing, Jesse, I'd say here, I'd never heard of, and again, I'm not a military expert, I'd never heard of ISIS-K until this week or until I guess maybe it's end of last week. Why uh, was the Biden administration completely oblivious to this ISIS-K threat until they were blowing uh, our brave men and women to, to pieces? I mean, this is just offensive. It is offensive. And, and I do have to ask, because Joe Biden's been very fond lately of trying to trying to blame this whole thing on Trump. Well, that was my predecessor's job. Was Donald Trump's plan to just yank out all the troops, leave the civilians and equipment there? What exactly was the Trump plan, Jason? Because I, I assume it was a little different than the one we just saw Biden do. Yeah, absolutely. And when I got together with President Trump a couple of weeks ago, we sat down and talked about this at length. And he said it was a very systematic plan to go through. We get all the Americans out. We get all of our allies out. We get the equipment out. We make sure that we send that very clear message. In fact, President Trump told me about a conversation he had with the head of the Taliban where he said they'll be held to pay uh, if you try to attack us as we're going through this uh, this withdrawal process. And uh, and again, just kind of being a little bit vague about the conversation, make sure you don't violate any confidences, although I know President Trump has shared this. The leader of the Taliban asked the question, you mean nuclear? And President Trump replied, nothing's off the table. And so very clear message that if you mess with Americans as we're withdrawing from Afghanistan, then you will be wiped out. There won't, there won't be a cave deep enough in Afghanistan for you to hide for the bomb that we will drop on your head. And they feared President Trump. And so under President Trump, I think it would have been very systematic and smooth withdrawal. Of course, there would have been a couple of hiccups and nothing. You, you don't go and extricate uh, our forces or our people after 20 years of being in the country. But nobody respects Joe Biden. And you get this, Jelly, uh, Jesse. You know, it's not it's not even simply the fact of Afghanistan. Look at the South China Sea. Look at the southern border. Look at Iran. Look at Hamas. Uh, in in Israel, this is a it's a complete meltdown. It is a complete meltdown. All right. Speaking of South China Sea, one final question on that: China already making some statements out there today about the South China Sea. Can you give us the thirty second answer? Why does anyone care about the South China Sea? Because a lot of people don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so South China Sea, one of the most uh, trafficked shipping lanes uh, around the world. This is really kind of the intersection of where you have uh, you have China, you have the uh, Philippines, you have Japan, you have Korea, uh, and really this this goes to uh, China aggression. This goes to China expansion. Uh, they're building all these man-made islands uh, to go and try to they have this uh, thing called the I believe it's the Seven Dotted Line. Uh, where they kind of carve out their territory, but they're trying to expand all of that to essentially uh, where this this kind of foreshadows is say taking back Taiwan or people in South China Sea are concerned, will they take over the Philippines? Will they try to take over Japan? Um, these are things that everybody knows are a real concern, a real threat, but this goes right to the very heart of Chinese aggression and simply taking countries over by force. Jason Miller, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jesse. All right, time to lighten the mood. Next.
All right. It's time to lighten the mood. I if you ever just sat back and admired how many talented people there are out there, and I don't just mean like the latest pop star or, or, or the, the big celebrity athlete or any of that other stuff. I mean, just randomly in small places where you don't expect to ever find it, there are just stupid, talented people out there. This is awesome. Go ahead, parking lot that kid's like two <laughs> all right keep your chin up we'll do it again tomorrow the big take from bloomberg news brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world we cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.